talk about women's bodies and minds in an open, uplifting, empowering way, and we have really honest conversations. So I'm really excited to bring on today's guest. She's also my friend, and I think that you probably know who she is if you're into food and wellness. We have Cara Nicoletti on the show. Yay! Hi, Hi Cara. Also, I'm my own studio audience, so I like to clap. Um, so listeners, Cara is an amazing butcher. She's so kick-ass. Butcher, sausage maker. She's a cookbook author. She's a video host on Munchies. And you have something really exciting going on, which I'm personally stoked to try. You're the creator of Seymour Meats and Veggies. Mm-hmm. So... Which is launching. Tell me. Yes. Um, it is a packaged meat brand. We're launching with sausages. Um, in October, November, and basically the idea behind the brand is um, that the sausages and eventually the other meat products are all somewhere between 20 and 55% vegetable. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, sort of reducing people's meat intake, but in a fun, creative way so they don't feel like they're giving anything up. Like not sacrificing the flavor of a delicious sausage. Exactly. They're still they're still meat-based, but they're packed with vegetables too. So um, one link is significantly less than a traditional sausage, which is essentially 100% meat. 100% meat. <laughs> cool. Yeah. This is really exciting. Um, I love seeing the community of women that I'm in New York start businesses and excel. I feel like I have so many great friends that are doing stuff like this. And I feel like we need to make a club. (laughs) We really do because I have to tell you, like this whole process has been so insanely different from what I'm used to, which is like working behind a butcher counter. Um, And thankfully I have my two co-founders are incredible women. Um, One of them is Erin Patinkin who owns Ovenly, which is a chain of bakeries around New York, and mm-hmm. she is just like an amazing business brain. And then Arielle Hopman is um, our director of operations, and she built the whole supply chain for Grayson Bakery to like make all the brownies for Ben and Jerry's and stuff like that. She's wow. just there. They're both just they're incredible. And um, I have been working with men my entire life, so this has been so awesome. I can imagine. Yes. Ladies club. <laughs> We're not, ladies are nice and fun. They are really nice and fun. Um, and like, it's been so empowering and eye-opening. Even in the fundraising process, getting to sit with like powerful women mm-hmm. uh, and ask for their money. Yeah. It feels so much better than asking men for their money. And it's always such a much more collaborative process. So like the other day we sat at, we sat at a bank with like, 10 women around a table just talking about the product and the questions that they ask are so smart and good and thoughtful. Meaningful and direct. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about like how much money can this business make. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get into the entrepreneurial aspect of being the creator of a business. You basically invented this product, which mm-hmm. I think is really cool. Um, and I do also want to talk about what it means to be a butcher in a, you know, male dominated field. And I'm sure you 
talk about this a lot, mm -hmm. but I think that um, we can approach it from a different perspective in that I think it lot, takes a lot of like mental fortitude to do what you do mm -hmm. in addition to physical strength. <laughs> um, so I, I definitely want to get into those things. But before um, we do that, we have this thing on I Love Wellness called Secret Ritual. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> basically I force you to tell me what your secret ritual is, your okay. secret wellness ritual. Okay. And it can be really anything because I feel like people are adopting all kinds of things as wellness these days. Yeah. Um, you know, like I can eat gluten, but I had pizza this week because <laughs> I had a really stressful week. It was my secret non-ritual, but my secret ritual this yeah. week was eating pizza. It's my favorite food. So best. giving it up because I have a gluten problem was literally so devastating. And like I have had a stressful week. So I literally just ordered a Joe's pizza the other Good night and just did it. Does it make you sick? It, was it so it? I don't have celiac. Yeah. I, I had this genetic test that came back that said I had really high probability for celiac. Okay. So I was like, hmm, what's going on here? So I did an elimination diet. And then when I did the um, gluten, I forget what it's called now, the, uh, the gluten exposure day after 30 days of no gluten, I was sick for oh days. God. I had such bad brain fog. The mm -hmm. words weren't coming out of my mind, right? I was so bloated. I literally gained 10 pounds. Oh I felt awful. I couldn't sleep. I could sleep. I had the worst headache and I had um, some really bad bouts of vertigo. Oh, wow. Yeah. So <laughs> Holy, that's no joke. So yeah, they call it, um, it, it is an autoimmune, but like it's not well studied at this mm -hmm. point and I think a lot of doctors think that it's fake but mm -hmm. a lot of doctors don't really pay attention to women's symptoms anyway yes so there you go um yeah. so I think it's called like non-celiac gluten sensitivity okay is what it is termed as well get that pizza when you feel like <laughs> I you ate the pizza. pizza so what's your secret ritual I mean I smoke weed no <laughs> um I'm really into ASMR videos stop I am I know. It's like kind of embarrassing and I can only do it. My boyfriend travels for work a lot and I can only do it to fall asleep when he's not there because he would like die if he ever saw the things that I was watching. I have one lady that I'm super into. Wait, when I was at your apartment, you yes. told me that I should do ASMR I videos. I told you. Now you're revealing more of your secret ritual. <laughs> making me sleepy just talking to your voice is so <laughs> relaxing. But I, I watched this one um, British woman whose name is Whispers Red and she does things like, she like pretends to be a dermatologist and like talks into a microphone. <laughs> it's just like her voice is so relaxing and it's so deeply humiliating. Like if any anyone also I I was watching it to fall asleep the other day and then I just like cl closed my computer and then took it to a meeting the next day and like opened my computer and it was like Came her up. talking oh my god <laughs> and my business partner's like what is that I was like nothing uh, um, but yeah I find it incredibly relaxing and stress relieving what about it is so stress relieving is it that you can just tune out the thoughts in your head it does it sort of become like white noise for it's, you yeah it's like white noise it's like it's a, like listening to rain sounds or like a very relaxing sound but there's something that like taps back into like a childhood thing where mm -hmm. like someone's reading you a story or something mm -hmm. like that I don't know what it is interesting um and I started watching them as a joke when everyone was making fun of them and I was like really like this. actually I but vibe hard you have to find, <laughs> I stand you have to find the person that you like because there are definitely people that I've tried to watch where I'm like oh no like there's mm. I don't want to hear eating sounds I don't want to hear like nail tapping sounds necessarily <laughs> okay can we sidebar on the eating please <laughs> so 
I was on Instagram a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and it is ASMR, mm-hmm. but it, there's this hashtag, and I don't think I'm going to pronounce it right. It's called like mukbang. Muck yeah. <laughs> I think it's like mukbang. Yeah. <laughs> mukbang. Mukbang. Yes. And it started in Korea, mm-hmm. and it's, people eat on camera. And they not and only they eat, eat, they like gorge. They eat profu- mm-hmm. profusely. I, it's, huge amounts of food. It's insane. Um, <laughs> it's really... And actually, my Explore page, for some reason, and a lot of people, even people who don't watch any ASMR or anything, like, mm-hmm. the mukbang stuff on Instagram is so prolific that... That's like, where I found entire... it, in my Explore feed. Yeah, exactly. And there's no reason that it would be in yours. But yeah, but is. now I watch those videos. Know, it's really fascinating. There's this one woman who, like, specializes in shrimp boils. It's, like, her only thing is, like, she just, like, goes in on a shrimp boil. And it's so... So... Wow. Weird. She has like millions of subscribers who are just like, I gotta see her like eat this, peel this shrimp. It's and eat it. it's really remarkable because at first I was very judgmental and I was like, <laughs> this is crazy. Mm-hmm. But I find myself going back to these videos because it's like something deep in your brain that you don't even know wants to be massaged. It's so <laughs> weird. It's very weird. It's also like, and. This is going to be the wrong way to put this, but you know, like when you drive by an accident and you like have to look. Totally, it's the same type of thing. It's like I have to see it happening. I know, and it's, I have to. I have to think because it blows my mind. I don't know how long it's been a thing, but like I imagine in ten years or something, these people are going to have like horrific health problems. Can you imagine? I think all you the see time, these people like, eating these lobster claws that are like. They're like, I'm two today, feet I'm huge. Eat like a 52 pound lobster. And you're just like, how? I mean, all of them must have gout. <laughs> they must all. Do you think some of it's SpawnCon? Like, oh, you I know, know. It's Joe's Crab Shack sending these people yeah, <laughs> this stuff. I know. I know it is because I've like, I'm like, these ASMR or mukbang people must be spending a ton of money on all of that food. On all that food. And then you'll see in their caption, like, Joe's Crab Shack partner or something. You're like, yeah, okay. or like, thanks to whoever for sending me all this. I don't food. know if it's good advertising. Maybe I'll try to reach out to them with some stuff. I don't think, I, like, I don't think it's good advertising. I just think it's funny now that also like so restaurants crazy. and stuff are sending people all this food. What is the most confusing thing to me about it is why do they all wear black gloves? They do. A lot of them. I see people wearing black gloves in these videos, oh like God. latex gloves. Oh. I, I like tattoo gloves, like what yeah, people yeah, tattoo in. yeah, or like what you'd wear like on the line at a restaurant, but they're black. That's so creepy. Which is weird, and I don't know why, because Maybe you're in your home. It's not like right. like who cares if your it hands are dirty. People get grossed out. Like the commenters are like, I don't want to see this food in your nails or something. Because a lot of them have long fingernails. But I, I don't know. I'm gonna have to look out for that. The the women, the woman that I always see has extremely long fingernails, and she doesn't wear gloves. Mm. And she also does a thing where she, like, puts, like, a fake backdrop, a different fake backdrop behind her every time. And sometimes it's, like, Aladdin's castle. Whoa. Send me her. It's just many levels. Her name is Bee Loves Life. I feel like I'm going to get a lot of DMs from people sending me mukbang videos And they're going to think I'm a perv. I know. My mom and sisters were talking about it. They were like, ASMR is, like, a weird sex thing. And I was like, no, it's not. It's, like, I think maybe there is a faction of it that is but like I'm just a truly <laughs> horrifically interested in it Me too. Me <laughs> if too. that makes sense same um okay well that <laughs> is the coolest secret ritual we've ever had I think um let's <laughs> 
let's bring our <laughs> bring our attention elsewhere. Okay. Um, I want to talk about um, your experience working in a butcher shop because I know that you worked with your grandfather mm -hmm. and this has been sort of like a lifelong thing for you. And it's really unique to see a female butcher. Um, and like I know your story and I think it's fascinating. So I would love to kind of hear how you first got into this um, and, and what you love about it so much. And then I want to ask you about, you know, all the mean stuff that dudes do to you at the butcher <laughs> shop too. <laughs> and like um, how it affects your like mental health and wellness. Yeah, I think totally. like the position that you're in is, a, is challenging. Mm -hmm. um, well, so I am a fourth generation butcher. It goes back in my family to my great, great grandpa. Um, it skipped a generation between my grandpa and me. My grandpa had three daughters. He did not want any of them to do this trade. Mm -hmm. um, but we grew up working the shop you know, working the register, sometimes making sausage. And, um, then I moved to New York when I was 18 to go to NYU, started working in restaurants and was actually working in pastry mm. because I was like trying really hard to get away from mm -hmm. meat. I'm going to be a pastry. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I hate pastry. <laughs> I don't even like to eat pastry, but pastries for losers. <laughs> uh, and I realized pretty quickly that it was not right for me, but I kind of kept at it. I mean, it was always sort of like a dirty secret when I was growing up that this is what we did after school and mm -hmm. that this was what my family did because it was not cool. Like sure. it sort of became, um, so I was working at a restaurant. It was, I guess it was like 11 years ago and, um, the chef wanted to start working with whole animals. Um, and all the guys in the kit, I was the only woman in the restaurant at the time. And all the guys were like, we don't know how to do that. We don't know how to break down whole animals. And mm -hmm. I was like, I know how to do it. So interesting. I started doing power stance. Yeah. No, but at the time I was kind of like, I was like sort of embarrassed by it. I was like, I know hmm. how to do that. Like I'll show you guys and then I'll just like get back to the pastry kitchen. Um, <laughs> but so I ended up doing their pastry and their butchery. And then once I got back into it, really realized that that was what I like to do much better. Mm -hmm. Um, and so started working in butcher shops. I've been making my living that way for the last 10 years. Um, and it, was a really incredible thing for me to, I mean, I have been tall and sort of broad my entire life. I'm 5'10". I'm not stick thin. And, you know, like I struggled with body image my whole life, like mm -hmm. a lot of women do. And butchery somehow really like fixed that in a weird way for me because mm -hmm. I learned to think about my body more as a tool and, you know, like really appreciate it for the things that it can do. Um, my height was an advantage. My, even my weight was an advantage. Like you have to be incredibly strong to do that job. Yeah. Um, not saying that you can't be short and do it, but it, I think it does make it um, significantly harder. Um, so like my shoulders are really broad. My arms are not stick thin. And that was all of that was an advantage. Um, the only thing that was not an advantage was having big boobs. It <laughs> really gets, actually gets in the way quite a bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, it sort of changed my my frame of mind about myself and my body. But you know, there were still a lot of there. Working in restaurants in general and being surrounded by men is always going to be hard on your psyche. Yeah. Um, and I think there's something especially difficult for men about a woman doing a job that is perceived as male, um, there's something emasculating about it. And so I got a lot of, um, sort of passive aggressive anger 
towards me, especially when I was working in a restaurant and I was the one doing the butchering and it was all men around me. Like mm-hmm. they were constantly trying to tell me that I was doing something wrong, even though I was the one who literally trained them on sure. how to do it. Um, and that kind of thing, gaslighting me. And, but you know, I also have to say I have worked with men my whole life. And because of that, of course there are great ones too. Like some of my best men- mentors have been men. Yeah, of course. Um, and I, I feel very fortunate that I've worked with some really great men. Goodness does come in all shapes and sizes <laughs> and sexes. It's true. At the end um, of the day. But when I started, no other women were doing it. And by the by the time I left um, the last butcher shop I was at, or the first butcher shop I was at, I, I was training women all the time. Mm. Um, and actually at a certain point, we were outnumbering the guys on the floor, which was like really cool. That's very see. cool. Yeah, very cool. Do you feel like that started to happen after you became more of a public figure and sort of outspoken about what you were doing? I don't I do. I mean, I don't want to take credit for it, but I do think there are, were a handful of women who were revolutionary in saying like, "Hey, we can this is this is a choice for us." Mm-hmm. Like it was never really presented as a choice even in culinary school, I think, I mean, I didn't go to culinary school, but I don't, even women who are involved in food and want to be in food, I don't think, I don't think it's often presented as an option. Um, Mm -hmm. but I actually think women in a lot of ways make much better butchers than men because there is an emotional aspect about butchery Mm -hmm. and meat that women seem to tap into a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I've always found women easier to train. Um, because they're willing to ask questions and say when they don't know something mm-hmm. instead of just like hack away at a lamb until it's like, we can't use half of it. Right. They're like, what exactly do I do here? And then, you know, there is an element of like, they need to prove themselves so much more that they put more time into it. Like so much time I spent watching YouTube videos and reading, like staying up all night, just really trying to like get it so that I could prove that I was worthy of doing it. Yeah. Be master of your craft. 10,000 hours, right? Mm-hmm. You probably did 10,000 hours just as a kid. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, it's, it. They're definitely women feel a need to put in more work, which is exhausting. Yeah, I do. Well, I consider, and I think a lot of people consider you to be a pioneer in this space, regardless of gender, Um, at least for sort of a new generation. And I think um, in a lot of ways that is because of social media, Mm -hmm. like you have been able to tell your your story in a really fascinating um, way. If you don't follow Car, you should totally follow her on Instagram. (laughs) She has the coolest Instagram, (laughs) the most beautiful photos um, of of what she's doing. do you recall in your time at the shop any like specific incident that really stands out to you that made you you know question what you were doing or um, feel like fuck I really can't do this anymore? I mean there are so many, but one that really sticks out in my mind and will forever is um, we were at an anniversary party you know for the shop that I was working at and I really had been there since the beginning helped them build it helped them train people built their sausage program and um one of the owners of the shop introduced me to like a press person or something as like a hired prostitute what yeah uh and like thought it was a funny joke um like oh this is car we like hired her for the night as like entertainment you know like feel free to and it was so humiliating and like I was so shocked by it. Like, and listen, I can take a joke like 
anybody else. And 99% of being on the floor with men is doing that. But it was like, I just was like, I have put in so much work for you. And I, I'm, I think I'm so valuable here. And you just completely negated that. Like, Mm -hmm. and then also finding out that, um, the men I was working with were all insured with health insurance. Um, and then when I asked why I wasn't, they told me that women were more expensive to insure and that if I were to get health insurance, it would raise the premium for everybody else on the floor. So I was basically made to feel like I couldn't ask for this because it would ruin it for everybody else. I don't even think that's true, but I was young and I just shut up and went without health insurance. I don't think that's true because yeah. I own a business and everyone has health insurance and the women don't cost more. Well, I think it was maybe that is different. So I think it was maybe different pre-Affordable Care Act. I don't know. Um, I remember calling my dad just like hysterically crying and being like, is this, I still remember exactly like where I was. I was like walking through McCarran Park. Wow. Discrimination. Like, gender discrimination. Yeah. I was like, is this true? And he was like, I don't think that's true. But I, I was so scared. I felt so indebted to them for taking me on and giving me this role that I just didn't want to shake anything up. Like, yeah. and I look back on that and now I'm pretty sure that place insures everybody. Um, and I think part of it was just that I did push back a little bit. Um, I never got health insurance from them, but, um, everybody else has it now. So that's good. Jeez. <laughs> that's, but those, those are, were the two moments. Those are, um, yeah. How abusive. That's really awful. Um, a lot of it was very abusive. Um, I mean, the food relationships are always, they attract a certain kind of character. Yeah. Um, Interesting personalities for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And definitely like in the kitchen, in the butcher shop, it's kind of like a fly by the seat of your pants kind of like attitude and people say stuff. And, um, so yeah, I mean, there's definitely a culture, but, um, you know, I have found in my life and I'm sure that you will agree with me that, um, you know, these really difficult moments, like what you just talked about, have a really unique way of, um, pushing you forward into the light, um, in, in really interesting ways. I mean, it's just personal growth, right? It is. And those are the moments that really gave me agency as a woman um it took me a long time but I I'm deep I'm super grateful for those moments and I'm super grateful for all of the moments that I had that were uncomfortable and demeaning um because it allowed me to figure out my boundaries and you know I think now everyone is very very careful in kitchens and I think that's wonderful you know Mm -hmm. like post me Too movement um but I do think it's also important to like have those moments where you're like when you figure out what your boundaries are and, and, and how to push back and how to have agency. Yeah. Implementing boundaries is certainly an important part of, um, the growth process or growing mm-hmm. up, you yeah. know, when I think about when I was even, you know, 26, 27 compared to now, I'm a totally different person in mm-hmm. terms of my boundaries and what I'm willing to, um, put into place for myself and for other people. Totally. Um, so I would love to transition a little bit into your new business, mm-hmm. um, because I think that you've taken so many of these great experiences and put them, um, you know, into what you're doing now. And I feel like it's such an expression of like love and everything that you are, mm-hmm which is really exciting. Um, so wh- when did you decide that you wanted to start your own food company and it's just sausages now, is it always going to be that or are there no. other elements to it? So eventually we will pivot into like chicken nuggets and deli meats and <laughs> Yum. All, kinds, yeah, oh my like, God. all kinds chicken of things nuggets. that, um, sort of haven't been disrupted and they'll all, it will all be under the 
umbrella of like reduced meat. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, more vegetables, less meat. Um, and I've already started developing a bunch of those products, but we're launching with sausage because that is the product that I created like 10 years ago. And the one that I feel the most confident about. Yeah. Um, and then eventually, hopefully we will pivot into entirely vegetarian things also, so that we're kind of like a gateway. Of course. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So you're mostly veggie sausage. This is something that you created when you were working at the shop. And like, what was the impetus for that? Was it like your own personal health? Did you just decide that, um, you know, people are looking for something like this? Well, for me... Do they taste just as good? They taste delicious. <laughs> they really do taste delicious. Um, for me, I was watching a lot of my customers, I was seeing a lot of my customers coming back four or five days a week and buying all these sausages. Mm-hmm. And I was happy to see them, but I also was like, you guys need to like chill and Relax. you need to like eat some On vegetables. Yeah. Um, but so I started making veggie burgers for them and they were just like not having it. And I think it was, it's that hard line between being a carnivore and a vegetarian. And there's sort of like no middle ground right mm-hmm. now where it's like, you can have both things. Um, so I started experimenting, there was a little green market attached to the butcher shop and, um, I started asking the produce girl, like, if you have anything that's wilted or like that you can't sell, give it to me and I'll figure out how to put it into a sausage. Um, so it was important to me that it wasn't just like, this is half broccoli, half chicken. Like Mm -hmm. it's important to me that it was exciting enough that you just want to buy it on, on its own. Sure. And maybe you don't even know that it's full of vegetables. Mm -hmm. So I started doing things like even like a Philly cheesesteak that's full of peppers and onions or um, a matzo ball soup that has carrot, celery, onion, tons of herbs. Um, so sort of hidden hidden vegetables. Yeah, I understand. Um, and people really responded to it and started, you know, wanting more and more of it. And a lot of them, I wasn't even telling them like why I was doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kept developing over the, them over the course of the last 10 years and kept pushing the boundaries of how many how much vegetable I could put in because it's actually really difficult to get vegetables into a sausage. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially m- water is the enemy of meat binding and protein extraction. So okay. when you see a vegetable and most veggies are wet, water based. Water. Yeah, yeah. They're pretty much just water. Um, so if you see it in a store, like a spinach and feta sausage or something like that, all of that product is dried Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going back into the sausage and then sort of like rehydrating inside of the sausage. But if you want to add fresh vegetables, there's, you have to figure out a way around the water, not allowing the, the water issue. Yeah. Okay. So I figured out all kinds of things, um, to get that Trade to work. Secrets. Exactly. And we're actually working cool. on patenting some of it now and also worked on a lot of, um, meat science in terms of like color retention mm-hmm. because cooking heat is like the enemy of, of color pretty much. Um, and I really wanted the sausages to remain colorful. So these sausages that we're launching with are, we're launching with five different ones and they're fully cooked. So they'll be like in the heat and eat aisle. Um, so all you have to do is just like heat them up in your pan real quick, add more vegetables, add them to pasta, add them to a salad. It's like so easy. My father's going to love this. Good. <laughs> well, I'm we're so trying to excited. think of like our, you know, who our target market is. And I think it's mostly, um, moms with kids, Yeah. but I think it hits so many other like totally men who love 
sausages. Men who love sausages. <laughs> every human who's doing Whole30. Exactly. And there's keto so many. And yeah. There's so many people who are going to be really into this. And they're, because they're, you know, so filled with vegetables, they're high in fiber, they're lower in calories. Mm-hmm. My sister plugged them into her Weight Watchers calendar or calculator and they were like super Weight Watchers friendly. So, That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's exciting. And I, I just think telling people that you don't have to give up something entirely, just maybe do it more carefully. Modify it a little bit. Well, I think honestly, it's a really easy sell. And I think that so many people are so much more educated, even in the past year about nutrition, not because of these fad diets, but I feel like there's been such a focus on, um, the shift towards healthier eating in the past couple of years that people have a better understanding, not just of like, Oh, I shouldn't eat carbs, but like, Oh, you know, I should be eating X percent of protein every day. Here's much fiber. Here's how much fiber I should be having. You know, here's the balance between you know, like fat, protein, and carbohydrates, mm-hmm. and here's the fiber that I need. People yeah. have a much better understanding it's, of that these it's days. It's great. And, and, you know, even just the, even though fad diets are never good, the fad diets that are out right now do show that that is the way that people are eating. And if you look at the numbers, people are super interested in meat alternatives, like Impossible Burger, Beyond Meat. And I think that's amazing. I think but, that's amazing, but I just wish that they were like exactly, actually real food. I don't want to eat them. Me um, neither. Not at all. I think it's amazing that people are interested in them and that their numbers of sales are so high. But then if you look at the number of people who are eating meat, it's steadily growing. Mm-hmm. So it's not that people are buying more of those meat alternatives because more of them are becoming vegan. It's because they're experimenting with balance. I think you're seeing a lot of people who are vegans deciding that they're not vegans anymore. I saw a lot of them, a lot of them came into the shop, um, multiple shops that I worked in and they were like, I am so sick. And my doctor told me I've been a you know vegan for 15 years and I'm so anemic and I'm so sick. My doctor told me I have to eat meat again. So we would like ease them back into the process. Yeah, totally. I think um, it's a really friendly way to mm-hmm. reintroduce somebody, yeah. um, you know, to, to animal protein. Mm-hmm. And I, listen, I love a vegetarian and a vegan God Me too. Bless. Like talking no shit. Yeah, Just exactly. Saying. Like uh, you want to do that, and it works for you. You're you are helping the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality, unfortunately, is that more people are eating meat than ever. So how can we practically address that and figure out how to, you know, modify it, and yeah. bring it in? I love that. Um, is there any element of trying to reduce food waste with your product? Mm-hmm. Like with the vegetables that you use, are you kind of always using like you know? older veggies like I I call them ugly ugly food I feel like that's popular now like ugly ugly foods you know yeah we're we're using ugly produce whenever possible which is great um but we're also working with a network of farmers who you know have scraps that they can't necessarily sell and those scraps are good they're Mm -hmm. pieces of shoulder and they're pieces of meat um they can give them to us. We're trying to figure out sort of like a cooperative network of people making things um, meat-wise and saying like, if we take this entire pig, I'll take the shoulders, you take the ham or the leg, you take mm-hmm. the head, whatever. Um, so we can figure out how to utilize an entire animal without having to buy the entire animal. Yeah. Um, so all those things are, we're working Taking to into consideration. It. It's really like the entire meat industry is, totally broken. So it really is starting from scratch. Um, I guess that leads to my next question. How do you do this at scale? Yeah, it was, even though I invented the product and have been making it for 10 years, 
there was still a huge learning curve when it came to scaling up. Um, I went to close to a hundred co-packers asking them if they would be interested or willing to do this. And they all said, no, they Mm. were all, you know, older guys who'd been in the meat industry their whole life. And essentially what their day to day was, was taking meat and adding dried spices. And it's a very easy process and they didn't want to have to deal with peeling a beet or, Mm -hmm. you know, blanching spinach, whatever. Um, so I finally found one who's amazing and not only was willing to do that, but also worked with a network of like regenerative farmers. Mm. Um, and some, which is huge. Right. Um, and also they do everything under one roof. So a lot of times you are having animals transported to a slaughterhouse and then they're being slaughtered and then they're being transferred to another place where they're processed and then another place where they're further processed and then there's shipping and distribution. So all of that's happening under one roof, um, which, you know, reduces our carbon footprint significantly in terms of just getting the animal back and forth, Mm -hmm. um, which is important to us. And the third thing is like my entire adult butchery life, I was surrounded by men who talked about the quality of life of the animal. Mm -hmm. Uh, And meanwhile, the quality of life of of their employees was not good. Um, So something that's really important to us is addressing the quality of life of people who are actually working in the meat industry, um, along with the quality of life of the animals that we're working with. So creating systems at these co-manufacturers to help them, you know, do a better job and, Mm -hmm. and incentivize them to do a better job. Yeah. Um, which, you know, they're the conditions of the working conditions in meat facilities are beyond atrocious. Yeah. They're atrocious. So making sure that we're not just saying to people like our pigs run free and they're pastured, but then like, and our employees are like wearing diapers on the line. Like it's just addressing both things. That's a thing. They don't give them bathroom breaks. So they're all like working in diapers. (gasps) Is that it's real? not funny. It's real. Yeah. Like it's, it's awful. The, it's literally like really inhumane working conditions, really dangerous, really long hours. And you think about what they're doing too. It's like, it's awful. It's awful. It's, it's awful. So trying to figure out systems to do that better. And our co-manufacturer is really open to that and they were already doing a really good job. Mm-hmm. Um, so figuring out how to implement that in co-packers because eventually we'll have multiple co-packers mm-hmm. um in all of those and and hopefully that can make a difference yeah well it sounds like it will um can you talk to me a little bit about because I think that you have a lot of information and knowledge that our listeners may not have insight to, into about organic food mm-hmm. Sarni and I were talking earlier about you know all these things <laughs> that are about organic that are really interesting yeah well I think there are in the meat industry, there's always buzzwords, um, and people cling on to them. And I think it's good because it means that they're conscious and want to eat better. Um, but you know, organic has been one for a long time, like since the late eighties, early nineties. And the thing that people don't understand, I have never personally worked with organic meat, even though I was working with small farms, pastured Mm -hmm. animals. And the reason behind that is it is insanely expensive to certify as an organic farm. Um, it's prohibitively expensive for small farms and generally those small farms are the ones that are doing a better job. Um, but they can't certify organic and there's all kinds of really weird arbitrary rules around certifying. And one of them is 
you can't have a dog. You can't have like a farm dog on an organic farm. And I think it has something to do with like the poop. I don't know. I'm sure there's some sort of reason. Poop is natural. <laughs> exactly. I don't know what it is, but you're not allowed to have a dog. Um, really? And, and that's really crippling for like small farms who rely on sheep dogs and cow yeah. dogs and stuff like that. But just rest assured, there are never hormones in your meat. In the United States, it's illegal. So you want to see pastured, you want to see antibiotic and hormone-free, you want to see um, humanely raised if you can. Mm-hmm. That's also kind of a gray area, difficult certification. But sure. there's just, there's a lot more important things than organic. Yeah. And, and something not being organic doesn't mean that it's bad. That it's bad necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very interesting. Um, tell me a little bit about your day-to-day life mm-hmm. when it comes to running the business. Are you still in the butcher shop or, or is Seymour mm-hmm. like your full-time Seymour is full-on. So um, cool. I know. It was, I left the butcher shop I was working at like two months ago, I think, to mm-hmm. do this full-time. I mean, I was, I was doing, I was butchering full-time and then also trying to do this. Yeah, it's hard. It's, it was impossible. Um, and I didn't realize how impossible it was until I stopped doing one of them. And totally. I was like, oh my God, I don't know how I was doing both things. Mm-hmm. But we're in the process. We're, we're just closing our fundraising, our seed fundraising round. And that's really a full-time job. Um, it really is. And it's my first time ever doing anything like that. Money makes me insanely anxious. It's like a huge anxiety trigger for me. So, sure. Um, this has been a huge learning curve. Um, but we're almost done. So in this process, how have you been taking care of yourself? Oh, I mean, I have to tell you, I haven't been doing that great of a job, but I Fair. do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, and I'm only just realizing that now that we're coming to the end of it and I'm like, Oh my God, I need to like go get my haircut and go like, but I do run. Um, and running is really helpful for me. Um, I think it might be terrible for me because my knees hurt all the time, but mm. it's really good for my brain. So, yeah. um, I run long distances and that helps to clear my head. Um, I have a lot of, I have a hard time with like doomsday thinking, like going to the worst case scenario possibility. And I've been like that my entire life. Anxious thinking. Welcome to generalized anxiety. It's no, it's, it's been a problem for me my whole life. And part of it becomes sort of like obsessive thoughts about my worth, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, me messing everything up and not doing as much as I can. And, sure. Um, I'm very hard on myself. So running is really helpful. Um, eating whatever the fuck I want is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally that means it doesn't really mean eating junk food. It means just listening to my body and giving it what it wants. So like, I don't eat a lot of meat, but if my body is like, you need a steak, I'm fucking, I'm going for a steak. Do um, it. Yeah. So those two things are helpful. Um, trying to sleep as much as possible is really helpful, but yeah. not really that realistic right now. Um, and also limiting my coffee for the first time in my life. I've had to cut down on my caffeine, which has been hard. Yeah. Do it's, you get headaches? I have one cup of coffee a day. Or are you just tired? <laughs> I'm just tired, but it's like I found that the trade-off was like if I have any anxiety at all and I have too much caffeine, the anxiety is just like, multiplied through the roof of course billion and I didn't even really pinpoint that until a couple months ago Mm. where I was like oh my god why am I like feeling like I need to take a Xanax or drink a glass of wine at like 9 a.m and it's like because you just chugged three cups of black coffee (laughs) like what's wrong with you um so that's been very helpful I have one cup and I enjoy it and then I just 
go on with the rest of my day. If I yeah. need more caffeine later, I'll have some tea, mm-hmm. which does have a lot of caffeine in it, but somehow affects me much differently. Yeah, the change with the caffeine can be really um, life-changing, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess this kind of leads into the last thing I wanted to talk to you about, which is our wellness check. And I kind of think maybe you just answered it, but oh. what are the things that are like the one, what's the one thing that you can't live without when it comes to wellness? Like, <laughs> what is your, like, <laughs> I ride or die by this one thing? Yeah, I mean, um, really good natural wine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, it's so important to... What is natural wine? It's wine that's made without, like, sulfates, um, and it gives you not as bad of a hangover, but I also just think it tastes way better. Mm-hmm. It tastes way cleaner. Um, and, and, like... It's really fun to discover new brands because there's a lot of new brands that are coming out right now. Do you have a favorite? No. No, you just like natural (laughs) wine. I go to a wine shop in my neighborhood called Bibber and Bell, and they get um, a lot of really fun, like, natural wines. Awesome. I love that. I mean, it's probably not the most responsible answer, but listen, it's... It's my real answer. Also, on, co- coconut oil. <laughs> you know, on this show, all, wellness is all things are wellness. <laughs> all things are wellness. It's true. It's whatever makes you feel good, um, and it's something to reward myself with at the end of the day, at the end of a, a long busy day. Yeah, I understand. Um, well, this was really informative. Thank yeah. you so much for being so open. Um, I like, again, I'm a huge fan and like, I think you've had such an interesting experience. Um, so where can our listeners find you and then where are they going to be able to find, um, see more? Yeah. Well, you can find me on social media just at my name, which is Cara Nicoletti. Um, and then Seymour is launching sometime October, November, and we will be in stores, probably launching mostly in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. Um, Eventually will be national, but if we're not in a store near you, we will have online e-commerce. Awesome. So you can order online wherever you are. I love that. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. All right, listeners, tune in next week for a brand new episode of I Love Wellness. 